Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Football Social Daily. Keeping you up to date with the latest from the English top flight. Hello and welcome to the best place for all your Premier League content, news, feedback, developments and stories. The Football Social Daily with a brand new episode every single day and as the Premier League season draws towards an end we're also starting to look ahead to the start of next season uh, where we'll be welcoming back Fulham this week their vice chairman Tony Khan said I don't want Fulham to be a yo-yo club I just want us to be a yo club so similarly I want this show to be a yo podcast in the interest of keeping our finger on the pulse of yo today on the show I'm joined by the very definition of yo in Manchester United fan, Joel Tudor. Nice to meet yo. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Delete that, that was awful. Um, Yeah, uh, we're not not a yo-yo podcast, we're here to stay. And fan of an arguably even bigger United, and the man who puts YOLO into every episode, it's Marley Anderson. Oh, mate, I... I don't know where you get these uh, these intros from. If they if they're written or do you pay for them or what? But uh, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of these uh, these random ones. But yeah, yeah. I've never said the word YOLO before. But um, sod it. If they can't fit, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with it. <laughs> My name is Ant McGinley, and we've got a lot to look at. Uh, developments on the uh, Chelsea sale, possibly, and some big European action, which we're going to start with. And that was in Germany last night. Frankfurt versus West Ham. David Moyes uh, with his best opportunity of winning a trophy as a manager. But all he got was a red card in the semi-final, which West Ham eventually lost to Frankfurt. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Various angles going around. Better angles on social media today than there were on the TV last night. But uh, towards the end of the game, a livid David Moyes booted the ball at a ball boy who did that thing we've all seen before, very slowly returning the ball in the dying minutes of their Europa League dream. Uh, And pretty much the way West Ham missed the chance, he completely missed him as well. Uh, The game kind of turned on the sending off of Aaron Cresswell after 19 minutes 
Uh, his second red card in the knockout stages. But this this really puts West Ham in a really interesting uh, position as well because they've kind of put all their eggs into this basket and they've rested uh, players throughout the Premier League. We'll look at what that means for them for the rest of the season. But just in terms of the game last night, Joel, did you did you see any chance of West Ham getting through at all? It was quite a close first leg, but in, in this game and the cauldron that was in Frankfurt, um, d- did you hold any hope for them? No, I said in yesterday's podcast, I thought that Frankfurt were going to be the team that would go through, and it was just how West Ham started the first leg in terms of looking very startled and going straight behind and chasing the tie from pretty much the first 50 seconds. Um, and then again, it pretty much happened the similar time, but this time with Cresswell getting sent off for the second time in three games. And that's just, that's not luck or that's not unfortunate circumstances. That's just a liability. Because in the first 10 minutes of a game, you don't need to be putting your hands all over the striker. Just let him through. Otherwise, like he's just done, he's jeopardised the whole tie for them now. Because the only reason why I think West Ham fans will be gutted about yesterday is the fact that even after they had a man sent off, Frankfurt didn't really have any clear-cut chances, obviously apart from their goal. But past that point, they didn't really have many chances at all, to be honest. So I do think that with 11 versus 11, it would have been maybe a different story. Who knows? I think West Ham definitely would have been way more um, attacking in their approach. But it just, again, both ties were pretty much West Ham trying to chase something rather than be able to play their own game again and that's what pretty much did the tie for them uh, but you just kind of knew from the way in which Frankfurt fans have been going all around Europe and just <laughs> taking over cities that it would be a really intense atmosphere at their stadium and it looked incredible um, and I was absolutely laughing my head off at David Moyes his face when he volleyed that ball <laughs> he looked like he had some venom in his face when he really went for that and that just kind of summed up the night didn't it just a lot of frustration of what could have been and anger at the situation and that was probably their best chance they'll ever get for a number of years now so it's a disappointing result for them but I, I saw it coming in personally yeah, I think it's it's a good job that that ball did not connect with the ball boy. Otherwise, we could have been having a very completely different discussion here and uh, having to be very respectful to the family. Um, Mali, we often hear about European experience and pedigree. Do you think that's what was the, the downfall of West Ham here in terms of on, on the pitch, Like uh, as Joel pointed out? And, and I think Moy said afterwards, they lost this tie in the first few minutes of the first leg do you think there's a a certain amount of naivety within the squad within the club perhaps when it comes to big european competition yeah probably um that's that's the uh the the nature of it you know you it's one of them catch 22 things where you can't have experience in in europe in big situations and big games where you know you've been there for the first time um it if they if this was their second or third semi final, they'd probably handled it a little bit better. You wouldn't have had David Moyes trying to kill a ball boy after an hour or whatever it was. <laughs> um, and then the the actual way the game panned out, they like Joel said. I mean, with with eleven versus eleven, it was it was pretty even. And even with ten versus eleven, West Ham had plenty of chances. It it just didn't go in for them. And you you kind of feel that if they had that extra man on. You know, could they have uh, could they have at least forced this to extra time and and made it very, <coughs> excuse me, 
and made it very nervy for um, for Frankfurt in the in the sort of um, the 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 scrap of extra time where you're never really sure what's going to happen, and then if you got it to penalties, it's, it's anyone's uh, it's anyone's game, isn't it? Really, but you um you you do feel for West Ham a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know the Cresswell's been sent off twice for for just silly silly tackles that he shouldn't have shouldn't have made in the uh, in the knockout stages. I think one was against Leon, wasn't it, in the first leg. Um, where he chopped someone at Dembele on the edge of the box, and he, he should have just tried to chase him right and, and guide him wide rather than dive in and try and get the ball. And it was that lack of experience that you West Ham don't have. But nights like last night will set them up for the future and and any more semi-finals in in domestic competitions or European competitions or whatever it may be. This will will serve them well in the future, I would think. And as long as um, the ball boys keep doing their job as as well as possible. They can uh, Moyes can learn from his his mistake of uh, nearly taking that kid's head off. I think we could almost put together some kind of compilation DVD now, couldn't we? Over the amount of times that ball boys have been involved in conflicts with uh, w- with players, I think it was Eden Hazard kicking the ball boy. Yeah, Swansea. Yeah. Um, we, we've seen. Yeah, we've seen quite a few incidents. We've uh, was it a Manchester City ball boy that was congratulated on the way he was doing things and returning the ball slowly as well. I seem to remember something about that. Yeah, somebody, but, uh, did somebody clapped him, didn't he? Oh. It was like a sarcastic clap. Yes. Oh, and then you also had Jose Mourinho as well. Marie- he invited the ball boy back. Is it the Tottenham one? Uh, when he threw the ball really quickly to his player and then he ended yes. up scoring from it. Yeah, yeah, remember that. And there was Marie. It was Mourinho, the one I'm thinking of. Um, no, it wasn't. It was Klopp. It was the Everton ball boy when Everton beat Liverpool, and uh, the <laughs> the um, the Everton ball boy like clapped right in Klopp's face, and Klopp was like fuming at him. Like Klopp just wanted to slap him, then realizes there was cameras everywhere. But I mean, this to be fair, right yeah. on this whole incident, this ball boy didn't do anything wrong. He literally gave the ball back as quick as he possibly could because one ball goes into the crowd, and rather than wait for that one, which ball boys normally would do because they're a bit. You know they they know what's going on. He rolls. He well. He bounces the ball right to Moyes, and then you know this <laughs> friendly-looking old Scottish man just hammers the ball back. It misses his head by about an inch. It would have it would have knocked him clean out. This this ball. Moyes but... said in his press conference that it's set up perfectly for the volley, so he had oh. to hit it. <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute. <laughs> Like, yeah. when I saw that quote, an, like, when I saw that quote, I was thinking, no chances he said that, and then same. I saw the video and he actually said it. Same, it's I couldn't believe it. it. Oh, it just sat up for me. I mean, Christ, what an absolute idiot! I mean, two two, two things for me. First of all, that is something you say when you're walking across a park on a Sunday, and the ball <laughs> comes to you. That's when you say that and use that thing. Secondly, I'm really concerned about something that you said there, Marley. Uh, so much so that I might give you some numbers to call after the show, and that you just described David Moyes as a friendly looking. Yeah, old man. I realised as soon as um, I said it, <laughs> he looks like a misery, doesn't he? <laughs> but yeah, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's going to be he's going to be miserable uh, this morning, I think, because he was full of hope beforehand in the press conference. Joel, when it comes down to it. Obviously, apart from apart from losing Aaron Creswell, and in defence of Creswell, that was for anybody that didn't see the game, it was a yellow card initially, and through VAR, it was overturned and upgraded to a red. Uh, there's a nice little bit on the video actually where the referee—I've not seen this before—where he cancels out the yellow card, 
So he comes back to him, produces the yellow card, does a hand gesture which cancels it out and then produces the red. Um, in, in terms of the actual on-the-game performance, I mean, as you said, it was pretty close. But we know that West Ham haven't got the biggest squad. Uh, they've not really got uh, a, a recognised striker as such. They've been relying on Antonio for, for a lot of it and he's had injury problems. Uh, apart from the obvious, can you see anything that West Ham were missing that would have maybe got them over the line, apart from maybe a little bit of discipline? You know, sometimes I think if Lingard would have made a little bit of a difference, if he would have ended up mm. staying, just in terms of that bit of energy in the final third to take your team forward, because I remember that that half season he had with West Ham, he was so influential in so many of their goals uh, towards the end of the season, which pretty much got them their finish. Um I do think they have been a victim to their own kind of squad depth, and that, that, to be honest, though, when even even when you look at Frankfurt, when you look at the majority of the sides in the Europa League, none of them have got the biggest squads. It's pretty much just a who wants it more on the night. But it was even more baffling when you went to the weekend and Moyes fielded a pretty much fully strength West Ham side against Arsenal, which was just baffling to me um, because it's a pretty much dead rubber for them. They haven't really got a chance of well barring a United capitulation which could be pretty likely to be fair um, the Europa League places are pretty much out of their grasp now so it was just a bit strange to me how he still went and started majority of his side but I mean I, I don't think it, it made too much of a difference on the night it was just the fact that these individual circumstances like Cresswell getting sent off just you, you take, you're fighting against the wind then aren't you unless you've got a team like Manchester City's where you've got players on the ball who are as good technically as 10 men as they are with 11 men you're not going to have a chance in hell are you really so it was just it's not the way the tie should have gone for them really it was just individual errors and just stupidity which really done it for them and I'm sure Cresswell will be looking back thinking you know why was I so reckless and like you say it's probably just naivety and not managing a game properly if he was more experienced or if it was a high level player he would understand the situation and read it a little bit better than he did in that moment and I bet that ball boy's looking back and thinking thank god David Moyes wasn't a high level player because that would have connected <laughs> with him in that case um just when you look at it that they're picking up on what you said Joel obviously and, and, and it really shows up in the league table as well. In in the Premier League, West Ham haven't won in four uh, because they've been looking to these games, to this European adventure and, and pushing forward. Um, but it, it, it's put them in this situation now where they're going to end the season empty-handed. There was, a, there was a route to the Champions League through this competition if they'd won it. But as you said, they're in danger of missing out on European qualification. I think Wolves, a late surge from Wolves could, could nick it from them. Yeah, it's. I mean, Marley is. is oh, sorry. I mean, Marley, do you think this is just just football, you know? Oh, and this is this is all part of it. You have the hope, and then the massive disappointment. And and the reason why I want to speak to 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 Marley rather than you, Joel, is in recent times he knows a lot more about disappointment. <laughs> I mean, is that is that really true? <laughs> well, up until about six months I was ago, say you had you you had a spoil for choice there with the recent disappointment of our two clubs, but. Yeah, it's um, it probably is. It's probably just football. Yeah, you know, um, this is, we. I mean, we always talk about it, don't we? Like coming into the final third of the season, of of certain teams being in certain competitions and and sort of um, 
prioritising one over the other? Do you prioritise trying to win a trophy rather than qualify for, for Europe through the league or the Champions League through the league or whatever it may be? But um, ultimately it comes down to the fact that you've, you've just got to try and win every game. And West Ham, they, they were close to be fair. I thought they were... I don't think they were worse than Frankfurt over the two games. And in the sort of balance of things, I feel like it. if they'd have kept 11 on the pitch, as I said before, I think it would have been very, very tight and we might have seen extra time and possibly penalties as well. But it doesn't work like that. You know, If you, it's, the, it's those tiny little decisions that you make at, at those stages of competition where it, it can hinge and Cresswell getting all over that. The uh, the striker and uh, and pulling him down and VAR being in operation, you know, you're never going to get away with that, especially when you're the last man and and you whether it's ten minutes in or eighty minutes in, it doesn't really matter because um, you're going to get sent off. So I think they 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 shot themselves in the foot there. But as I said before, they'll they'll use this well well they have to use this uh, this situation as as sort of fuel for the future. Well, we're going to take a little pause there, and when we come back, it's kind of going to be pretty much the same thing, but with different clubs, as we look at Leicester against Roma last night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily and we'll move from the Europa League to Europa Conference League and this was a competition that when it was first announced uh, there was a lot of question marks about it, people didn't really understand it especially as it seemed to be what it was below the Europa League which hasn't always had the best reputation here in the UK but it's definitely been embraced on the continent and it led to a rather mouth-watering semi-final last night in Rome Jose Mourinho's uh, Roma triumphing thanks to Tammy Abraham. Uh, classic Jose labelling the third tier of European competition as our Champions League. Um, I, I, like, I like his style. But th- what became the downfall of Leicester is something that's affected them all season. I think I'm right in saying they lead uh, the league table in terms of the most goals conceded from a corner. And yet again, that was what undone them last night. Joel, in terms of this being the their Achilles heel, it was something that was known about. And yet, Tammy Abraham seemed to be marked by the smallest player on the pitch. Yeah, I think even after the game, one of the reporters asked him, were you surprised that you were marked by, I think it was Pereira for the corner? And he said, yeah, I was actually, but I mean, I'm going to take that opportunity. So clearly, 
I mean, Tammy Abraham's what six foot four, six foot five, and Pereira's probably a good five six inches shorter than that. And he literally just manhandled him in the in the center of the box and got so much power into that header. Like he wasn't even challenged for the corner. So obviously that's a mas- massive issue. It's a, it was a complete mismatch. Um, I'm surprised they didn't put one of their centre backs on him and actually gave him a bit of a physical challenge. But I think regardless, Abraham was always going to be the different difference in this game. Um, he's got 25 goals in all competitions, which is the most of any English striker. Um, which should stand him in good stead going to the World Cup as well because he's the most informed English striker by an absolute distance. Um, that's if Southgate watches foreign games, so it's going to be an interesting one when it gets to December, November time. Um, but yeah, regardless of the corners, I think Leicester were just quite disappointing, to be honest. They had one shot on target and that was in the 78th minute. And that was a very, very tame effort from James Madison. There was just, they didn't look like creating anything, to be honest. Vardy couldn't get really into the game. Roma had a good flow of the game. Um, they controlled it to pretty much large portions of it and probably could have had another one or two, but um, they deserve to go through. It's been a pretty poor season for Leicester just in terms of the fall off from the last two seasons where they were constantly challenging for that top four uh, places and now they're in 11th place. They're really falling behind. Even Newcastle have managed to overtake them and they look like they were down and out by uh, December time. So it's just showing that maybe it's fatigue, maybe the fact that the last two seasons have has caught up with them and they do need a bit of a a regeneration in that squad now because there's a lot of aging players in there there's a lot that probably should be moved on soon I do think that they do need a bit of a clear out so um, yeah it was a disappointing night for them but I don't think many expected it to be too different to be honest I think Roma just had like we said with West Ham they had too much depth and too much quality in the areas that mattered whereas Leicester just didn't really look like they were a threat at all all evening and Abraham was the difference and he's been one of the best strikers in Serie A this season. Just looking at an, another player on that Roma side, Joel, um, would you have Chris Smalling back? You know, it's funny because a lot of people have been comparing Smalling to Harry Maguire and saying, well, was, is there that much difference between the two of them? And I mean, obviously a defender looks way better in Serie A just because the game's played completely different and it's way more kind of defensive minded, a bit more tactically sound. But I mean, th- there isn't that much difference between the two. Smalling's had some really good seasons in Italy since he left United and obviously at United as well. He wa- it wasn't the best, but he was pretty consistent in his performances. I remember under Louis van Gaal, he had a couple of really good seasons under him. But, you know, I, d- I don't want to get too much into United's uh, recruitment and letting go strategy is a bit questionable most of the time but yeah I mean I think he was probably let go way too soon same with Johnny Evans Um, they're two guys who I think were probably at the same level as Harry Maguire which is quite damning when you've spent 80 million and pretty much funded the Leicester City training ground so it's um, yeah I I do think that Smalling I'm I'm, I'm really happy for him because he was always a very very solid defender he's come all the way from I think Maidstone in the conference all the way to the city of Rome playing at the in the in the uh, conference league it's a massive rise for him and I think he deserves it completely contractually at this point I'm obliged to say that both Chris Smalling and myself are vegan uh, so it's always the vegans isn't uh, it <laughs> just in case any of our few thousand uh, listeners care <laughs> 
So the, the, it's it's a disappointing season for the the foxes. They've got five games left to play. So because of the way things have gone, but even with those five games, the, 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 they're so far off the pace. They're destined to finish mid table. Now it's been a great European adventure, and actually, it, it, let's put it into perspective. You know, given where they were not so long ago, facing the prospect of of being relegated, a semi final in a European competition is a great achievement. But club owners and fans are demanding. I mean, Marley, I mean, you, you can appreciate the pressure here. I mean, it's a year since they won the FA Cup. It's, you know, five or six years since they won the Premier League. I mean, for, for, for a club like this, that's just not good enough, is it, Marley? <laughs> uh, to be fair, look, Leicester have had a golden period, haven't they, of their, of their history. Yeah. You know, it's probably as successful as they've ever been. You know, if any, if you had a, rewound the clock eight years and said when Leicester came into the Premier League you know you're going to win the Premier League and you're going to win the uh, the FA Cup and you're going to get to the I think it was the quarterfinals of, of the Champions League a couple of years ago that was a great season yeah. as well that was a yeah, great adventure did they not get knocked out by Sevilla or someone in the end like someone someone pretty decent but um, you know this Leicester of uh, I think I I almost agree with with what Joel was saying there about they do need a bit of a rebuild because I think they're trying to bring through a couple of youth youth team players. Dewsbury Hall's coming into the squad and Luke Thomas has played a lot of games this mm. season and they've got a a few more on that on that sort of conveyor belt of talent and I think this season they've probably just struggled without the uh, the impact of, of Vardy for the full season. I think that's reflected in their league position because they've they've sort of lacked goals at, at big times. Um, but if they can sort that out, you know they've got the the makings of, of you know still a quality side, um, and if they can sort out the future of of their key players like Ndidi and and Tielemans, if they can keep them together and get them under longer term contracts, they can they can push on from here because Leicester aren't far away in terms of quality from the uh, the rest of the top uh, top five or six. If they continue to stutter and and trip over themselves in that race for fourth and fifth and sixth next season. You know, Leicester could be right on the tails, ready to capitalise if any of them drop off. Yeah, and they've got some great players, though, as you, as you mentioned. Uh, also, Fafana uh, looks class. Had, had he not been injured for, for a lot of the season, we could be talking about a very different uh, league position, at least. And also, what we've seen of Dakar as well, who they brought in in the summer, uh, gives great hope for the future moving forward. But I think... Joel, uh, other clubs, and, and I'm coming to you now because you're a club that likes to pull the trigger on a manager. Uh, <laughs> other clubs, uh, you know, with this run of form, again, uh, they, they've not won in the last four games, uh, and then they've they've slumped out of a of, of a big opportunity to win a trophy. Do, do you think that there's any any concern for for Brendan Rodgers? I think at some other clubs there might be. I I can't see that at all. I think he's got a lot of goodwill from the FA Cup, but Football is football, people have short memories, and people do demand success, not just the fans, but also the boardroom. So, do you think that this is you know, pretty much a safe thing? Can you see anything happening for it? Obviously, Rogers was linked with other jobs, which has, has died away. But, you know, I, I think had he been at another club, we might be talking about him moving on today. I think the only worry Leicester have is that Rodgers decides to move on himself. Um, I don't think it would ever be the other way around unless it got very, very bad in terms of 
floating around the relegation places because he's he's the best manager they've had since Ranieri by an absolute mile. I think the only issue with Rodgers is that he believes that he's probably a tier above, you know, maybe around a top six club in terms of maybe Arsenal or Tottenham, but those jobs will never arrive now. Arteta's very much set. I think he's just signed a new contract as we speak uh, with Arsenal till 2025, which again shows the commitment to him. And obviously Tottenham are looking for the top tier managers like Conte, maybe Pochettino in the summer if if his uh, future isn't sorted out soon. So, He's at a club where they've got a very, very solid foundation. They've got an owner who really cares about the club, which is ridiculously rare, isn't that right, Marley? <laughs> um, I mean, you can't take that for granted. If you go to another club and they don't give you any money, and they don't like the Leicester owner, that that's his. Especially after the passing of his dad as well a couple of years ago. This club is more than just the business project to him. It's pretty much a, like it's his life now. And to have a, an owner who will back you to that extent, I think is very, very rare. So he's in a good position. Um, and like Marley said, I think the key for Rodgers is being able to tie down those key key players because losing those guys like Ndidi and Tillemans and I think Vardy's probably going to be on his way out in the next couple of years. So they're going to need a, a long-term plan for him. It's, it's moving forward and trying to keep hold of your star assets because the moment they start losing those players, that's the moment you start falling down the ranks in the Premier League same with maybe West Ham if they end up losing Jared Bowen and Declan Rice I mean we're going to be looking at a very very different side so I think that's the main goal for him um, but he's at the he's at the right side because I don't see where he goes um, unless you know I don't know Pep Guardiola randomly left but then I don't think they'd even go for him so he's at the right place I think when you look at all of the clubs around him um, and I think they've built their own status now based on what they've won they're a little bit of a tier above all the teams around them just based on the fact that they're starting to build their own history and as Marino said football heritage so that's it I think that's an important part for building Leicester as a club well at the start of the week we were looking at the prospect of English clubs bringing home all three European trophies and now we're faced with the prospect of only one and we're going to talk about that in a moment and I'm going to pose to you the question is the English Premier League really the best league in Europe if we're not making all the finals Uh, I'll let you think about that and we'll be back in a moment Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess Aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the final part of the Football Social Daily. I'm Ant McGinley, Joel Tudor, Molly Anderson alongside me and here is a question for you. So given the week it's been, a lot of us were expecting three if not four English sides in European finals and we only have one in the form of Liverpool. Now it feels like more Spanish sides have reached the last stages of European Cups in recent years with obviously the likes of Real Madrid and Sevilla. This year when we look across all three competitions We've got finalists from six countries, which is great in terms of the competition, in terms of what UEFA would like to have. You have Spain, Scotland, Italy, Germany, uh, the Dutch, and 
England all represented. But in the face of these facts, can we really continue to say the Premier League is really the best league in the world? Mali? Yes. <laughs> well, of course thanks we can. for that. We'll be back of course tomorrow. We can. Um, <laughs> I don't think you have to have the um, the sort of results every season to to think something and believe something. But I think with like if you look at the, the football we've had this week, um, Man City against Real Madrid, like ninety nine percent of people I'm still will... winning. I'm still winning. <laughs> I know, but like everyone knew. Man City were the best team in that in that in that in that uh, fixture in the two legs. You know, everybody knew that 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 game should have been out of sight. And I always think with when you've got games like that, like even though Real Madrid won, are they are they the better side? Are they a better side than Man City? Like, because I, I don't think they are. And I think that was pretty evident in the way the game went. You know, City having all the possession, all the chances. Should, that first leg should have been six or seven, to, uh, three or two, whatever it might have been. Um, and you can't really delve too deep into into results like this. I think um, if you look at the, the Spanish league, I don't think Real Madrid have been that good this season in all competitions and they've won the league by 10 points. Barcelona have been through all kinds of of a situation where they had to sack Ronald Koeman and, you know, tell everybody that they weren't a useless piece of crap like he told them, um, and then rebuild under Xavi. So, like, that is, um, that's, a, like, a a sign of them being way off the uh, way off the pace of what they usually are. Then they lost in the Europa League to Frankfurt, who were 10th in, in um, the Bundesliga and, and not really challenging for anything other than, than what they ended up going for, which is the uh, Europa League um, trophy, which they've got a chance of winning now against Rangers. Um, and you know, other than that, I don't, I don't see any like. Then you you, you look at the Premier League and you're seeing Liverpool and Man City in another of the most high quality title title race ever. Then you've got the champions of Europe who can't even keep up with them in third. And then you've got you know Arsenal, Spurs, and Man United, and a couple of others all scrapping over each other to to get fourth. And you know, I think the the two best teams in the world are clearly Man City and Liverpool, um, and because of that, I think that sort of uh, reacts uh, and that sort of manifests itself into the Premier League being stronger than than any other. I think we're just keeping those uh, top places warm for you for next season, Marley. When uh, yeah, well, we we might be about to to break into that uh, that Royal Rumble for fourth, fifth, and sixth next season. <laughs> Joel, going off what Marley's just said, then is is it more about just having is having the best league about more than just having the best teams because it's undeniable the success that the likes of Real Madrid have had in Champions League Sevilla in the Europa League but should we be worried at all that we we were only got one finalist in these three competitions I mean firstly I have to kind of define well, what is the best league in the world because if you're judging all 20 teams then of course the Premier League definitely is purely because every team has double the amount of cash that every single team in La Liga bar you know the main three in the Bundesliga bar Bayern and Dortmund they all have more cash so of course they can have way higher quality sides I think one of the reasons why example Leicester um, did so badly in the Conference League 
well not badly but in terms of not being able to go all the way I think it's just the fact that there's a little bit of entitlement to it I remember Bre- Brendan Rogers completely talking down about the competition when they were doing the group stages and then yesterday you see Jose Mourinho in tears after <laughs> getting to the final and I don't think that's something about him taking the mick out of anything or as like a, a, as a, a, a satire kind of um, reaction. I think it's genuinely the fact that he appreciates being able to be in another European final. Whereas I think a lot of these English clubs feel a little bit of entitlement towards them maybe um, and feel as though they're better than those competitions. Yet silverware is silverware at the end of the day. And that's the only thing that gets written and people remember about 30, 40 years from now. But then if you judge it based on the top four of each um, of each league, it goes in pendulum swings, doesn't it? I mean, from probably 2012 to 2018, I would say, La Liga was undeniably the best in terms of having that peak Real Madrid side, the peak Barcelona side, and the peak Atletico Madrid side. And you had Sevilla, who won the Europa League three times in a row. They are they, they were like absolute killers during that period, and the English sides were pretty much nowhere near. And then obviously from pretty much 2018 onwards, the Spanish sides have started to decline massively and the British and the English sides like City, Liverpool, Chelsea um, and even Tottenham when they got to the final of the Champions League, it does show it goes in pendulum swings massively. And even though, you know, there's a pretty bad stat actually that every time a Spanish side has faced anyone that's a team non-Spanish, they've managed to beat them seven times out of uh, seven times out of eight times in terms of getting to the finals, which is ridiculous. It just shows they're just machines when it comes to the the knockout stages. I don't know if it's a case of a mentality thing or something along those lines. But like we mentioned in yesterday's podcast, it's the fact that, example with Real Madrid, even if they didn't have Zidane for those three consecutive Champions Leagues, it's just the fact that Real Madrid have got so much heritage and their history is built on just not giving in and winning European Cups and being the top team in terms of European competitions that, honestly, I think that the badge just plays for itself half the time. It's kind of like when Sir Alex Ferguson's United, peak United side, every single side was in danger that they would concede in the last few minutes because that's what the team and the, the traditions and the culture were built on. And I think that's what we saw with Real Madrid the other night. It's the fact that the badge just literally spoke for itself um, and the, the 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 quality just goes in pendulum swings. Even Syria had his day in the early two thousands. It it changes constantly in terms of the quality. But now the Premier League is probably more likely to stay there because the money that these teams have is just unbelievable. But also the fact that the two best managers in the world are playing for the two uh, are managing the two teams that are the best in the world right now. So it changes all the time. It just depends on where the money moves to, and also who the managers manage and whether that makes them a big success or not. So it's, it is interesting, but right now you would have to say the Premier League, but obviously Frankfurt beating West Ham doesn't mean that the Bundesliga is better. Uh, maybe it's just the fact that, you know, West Ham are naive and Frankfurt were not. It just comes down to individual differences, I think. Uh, thanks very much for that, Joel. Although I was a bit worried when you started because you basically said, "Well, the Premier League's the best because we have the biggest bank accounts." Which well, I mean, you can't really <laughs> argue. That. <laughs> well, I mean, it is, but it kind of goes against a, a lot of. Uh, yeah, I, I, you don't necessarily have uh, the open top bus tour when you release the uh, the accounts at the end of the season. We will uh, finally let's let's move. 
<laughs> yeah, you you will. Yeah, you, you, every fan will get a bus in Newcastle. That's what will happen. Uh, let's just look at a couple of stories that have just broken um, overnight and this morning. There was that story going around that Roman Abramovich wanted uh, his 1.6 billion loan back from Chelsea, which looked like it was going to scupper the sale. Uh, Chelsea, of course, operating under special license until the end of the month. Uh, a spokesman has confirmed that he doesn't want his money back. I mean, just details are, are short on this, but just as a little bit of a pop quiz, what's the most money you've loaned someone and then said you don't want it back? Because 1.6 billion is quite a lot. Oof, no more than a fiver. I, I'm even shocked at that, Marley. Uh, even <laughs> that, I can't even remember the situation I was in. <laughs> I was probably drunk. You know what, it's probably, um, in fact... I've probably, it might not quite be the same, but you know when um, you go into a toilet in a nightclub and there's a fella selling um, deodorants and stuff, I've, I think I've drunkenly give a few of them a tenner every now and again and then gone, oh crap, where's wow. that tenner gone? Like, like that the Newcastle next money is hitting. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Oh I just go God. in like Conor McGregor, just like, fly, you know, and Floyd Mayweather just flinging it about. Got a little money gun that fires pennies. <laughs> that that definitely that definitely de- is the best definition of how things have changed at Newcastle. Newcastle United have managed to change it from spend a penny to spend a tenner. <laughs> uh, and then Joel, you picked up on this story, which is just breaking as we're recording now. Mikel Arteta has signed a new deal. He came in December 2019, and this deal takes him until the end of the 24-25 season. Yeah, it's a, I've never been the biggest admirer of Mikel Arteta, but considering where they are right now, if they do manage to get a top four, you have to say it's a great season for them. Um, and like I say, there's not really any other managers you could really go for, to be honest. But it will be proofs in the pudding in terms of where they want to go. Because where, where do Arsenal go? Like, Are you meant to be challenging for the title or are you meant to just become another Arsene Wenger post 2006 side who pretty much just goes for the top four every single year like I don't understand what the what the ambitions are, are of them but again when you've got Manchester City and Liverpool performing like this you can say that for every other club in the league can't you really I don't really know what everyone goes for until those two start to either dither away a little bit or one team starts to take up um, a challenge with them so it'll be interesting to see but yeah he's done a, he's done a decent job I guess yeah, a bit of a wobble at the start of the season and a few points where he's lost three games in a row this season, but he's overcome a difficult situation uh, with the striker, Aubameyang. Uh, we still don't know the ins and outs of that, but he's also managed to bring a lot of young blood in into that first team and they're performing really well. And Arsenal fans look like they have that fourth place in their grasp, which for such a long time wasn't enough, but uh, I think they'd all grab it with both hands right now. Well, we're going to let go of the Yo Show right there. Thank you very much, uh, Joel and Marley, for joining me this morning. Cheers, guys. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back with a brand new show uh, tomorrow, which is, of course, The Dugout with Jim Salverson speaking to two ex-footballers about all the fixtures taking place this weekend and any other stories that develop. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. And do remember to follow the show and you'll get the next episode as soon as it's ready.